The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Good morning, Summit Church, and happy Easter. I'm so glad that you chose to dial in today and engage with us with Church Online. I'm almost 40 years old, and I can say, even though I didn't grow up going to church a lot, uh, Easter Sunday, I was there. I was in a church building, and so this is new. This is different for me, that we are not gathered in a physical building, all dressed up, taking pictures, doing Easter egg hunts before and after, huge family lunches. This is truly a unique situation and a time for us in our world. But I know that God still has a plan for this. And I think it's going to be something amazing where we come together today as a church, however we're going to do that, whether it's online, whatever it looks like, we're going to come together and we're going to say Jesus is alive. And that is the central truth to our faith. For 10 years as a church, we've done basically the same thing every Easter. We've told the story of Jesus' arrest, his trial. We've told the story of the crucifixion, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. That's why we're all here today. We've done that for the entirety of Summit Church. And we're not really going to go away from that today. But each year, we pick a different theme, kind of a thread to trace through that story. And months ago, I kid you not, just after Christmas, we sat down with our team and we picked the thread of peace. Peter, an interesting person who's very up close and personal with Jesus and, and been there through the whole ministry, knows what's going on. And Peter is a huge component of this story. And looking, I think, at his interaction with Jesus in the last few hours of his life gives us a very unique perspective that I think is so appropriate for our time. It's so appropriate for our time. Peter is going to ride a roller coaster in the last 72 hours of Jesus' life. He is going to experience things that I think a lot of us are experiencing right now, just wondering what is going on, Lord. So that's what we want to do. And so where we pick up the story is actually Thursday night, okay? Thursday night before Jesus is crucified on Friday, Jesus has gathered his disciples in the upper room. Peter's there and and Jesus has just said, hey, some things are going to go a little crazy tonight. Let's pick it up in Matthew chapter 26, verses 31 through 35. It says, Jesus told them, this very night, tonight, you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. That's Zechariah 13, 7. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter then replied, Even if all of us fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die for you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. You you, you have to, at that point, you have to make sure and chime in going, hey, we're with Peter. We're we're not going anywhere, Lord. We trust you. We we still believe in you. We're going to follow you. And, And to Peter's credit, he tried. He tried very hard. When they left the upper room that night, they went to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus prayed. Upon the end of that prayer, the beautiful prayer that ends with, not my will, but yours be done. A cohort of soldiers, along with a mob of people, religious leaders, came into that garden to arrest Jesus. A cohort of 600 soldiers. It's quite a force to be reckoned with. It's the middle of the night. They have torches. They have clubs. They have swords. They have outstanding numbers. And Peter jumps out in front, 
pulls out what the Bible calls a sword, but in the Greek, it's actually more of a dagger. So he's got a crocodile Dundee knife and he slashes at the first person he sees. It's the high priest, the one who's leading this processional. He misses and takes the ear off of the high priest's assistant. Jesus calls a halt to this mayhem. He says, stop it. I I don't lead an army that needs swords and clubs. No, 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 no. That's not what we're doing here. Peter, put your sword away. And Peter does, and Jesus reattaches the ear. But, But I'll give Peter credit for this. In that moment, he could not have won that battle. He knew what the outcome of that would have been. And he was willing in that moment to lay down his life. But Jesus then negotiates with the mob and says, let my people go, just let them be safe and you can have me. And they kind of run off their different directions. But Peter wasn't ready to give up yet. He wanted to see what was going to happen to Jesus. And so they arrest Jesus. They put him in handcuffs and they lead him to the high priest's home where he'll stand trial. It's an illegal trial. You're not allowed to have a trial in the middle of the night, but they don't really care. They just want to get a conviction and they want to get Jesus killed before anything else can happen. And Peter's kind of sneaking through the woods and he comes to the palace and then he sees a bunch of people gathered around and, and they're all kind of talking, wondering what had just happened. Why had this mob gone out in the middle of the night? Did they really have Jesus, this guy that's been in Jerusalem now for five days? Or are they, is, they, is he really in custody? What, what's going on? There's a lot of buzz. And, and Peter just wants to pick up any of the, the lingo that he can. He just wants to find out what's going on. And he's, he's hiding in there. Mark chapter 14, verses 53 and 54, give us the setting. They took Jesus to the high priest. And all the chief priests, the elders, and the teachers of the law came together. Peter followed him at a distance, that's Jesus, right into the courtyard of the high priest. There he sat with the guards, and he warmed himself at the fire. That word fire means the light. He he sat around the only light they had in the courtyard, and he listened. And and that's the setting. Peter has snuck his way in. He he wants to be near Jesus. I, I think he's still at this point trying to hold up his end of the deal. I won't fall away. Everyone else is gone. They darted when when the mob came up the way. They're gone, but I'm with you, Jesus. I'm wanting to see what I can do to help you. I really believe this. Now, in what transpires, Jesus is going to be put on trial. And he's going to be accused of a bunch of stuff, all of which the Jewish leaders are trying to get him to admit to something that they can put him to death for. Jesus is going to remain silent through all of his trial. But while Jesus is being put on trial, Peter's going to be put on trial as well. And Peter does anything but stays silent. Here's what happens in Mark chapter 14, verses 66 through 68. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with the Nazarene Jesus, she said. But he denied it, first denial. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and he went on towards the entryway. I don't know or understand what you're talking about. It seems like an interesting denial, and it's actually, the language is really cool here. Four times up to this point, Jesus has said, you do not follow me because you do not know or understand me. Four times he said that to his disciples, those exact words. And Peter, I don't know if he's recalling those words or if he's using it. Hopefully that'll get him out of trouble. But he says the exact same thing. I don't know. I don't understand. That's not 
who I'm with. I'm just here like you. This little slave girl is putting Peter, the rock upon which Jesus said he would build his house, his church. This little slave girl is putting him to the test. And that was Peter's first denial. The second denial comes to the same girl, Mark chapter 14, 69 through 70. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, this fellow is one of them. And again, he denied it. Number two, that verb denied is in the imperfect tense, meaning he kept on denying. No, 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 no. I'm not with him. I'm not with him. Stop saying it, little girl. I don't know this man. He's not my guy. Get away from me but he has said too much in front of too many. His accent has given him away. And now the crowd is starting to suspect as well. And I think as Peter is trying to back his way out nonchalant from the courtyard, wondering why did I follow Jesus here in the first place? I think as this is going on, we see the third denial, verses 70 and 71. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, so the crowd said, surely you are one of them for you are Galilean. His accent had given him away. Peter began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. I want you to put yourself there. Can you feel the fear? The fear in Peter. They're on to me. They know I'm one of his followers. What am I possibly going to do that is going to allow me to survive? Uh, I will call down curses. Now, there's two explanations here. One could be that Peter's calling down curses upon himself. He's saying, you know, curse me if I'm really with this guy. But I think more accurately, what Peter is doing is he's calling down curses upon Jesus. If I'm really with him, would I say this? Would I yell crucify him? Would I be here wondering when this trial was going to end so we could get on to the good part? Would I be here? I curse this man. I don't follow him. I curse him. And it says, then he swore. He swore to God, which is sin. I don't know him. I don't know him. What a powerful moment in the story of Peter. Here, here's Peter's response. Verse 72, immediately upon that third denial, the rooster crowed for the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. Now I wanna immediately go to what Luke says happens right after this. So, so Peter breaks down and he weeps. And here's what Luke says in Luke chapter 22, verses 60 through 62. Peter replied, man, I do not know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. So as Peter was saying, the third denial, the rooster crowed. Verse 61, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And then Peter went outside and he wept bitterly. From across the courtyard, Right as the rooster crows for the second time, right as Peter denies Jesus for the third time, Jesus is being transported between houses. And they meet each other's eye. And Jesus knows, 
And Peter knows. And Mark says that Peter broke down. And that word can mean a bunch of things, but several of the meanings are this, to, to cast oneself upon something, literally to throw yourself on the ground. It can mean to dash, to hit the road. I, I don't think that's what he did. But regardless of the seven other translations of what that word can mean, this is real. This is heavy. This is a moment where Peter realizes, oh, what he said I would do, I did. The heartache, the heart hurt that Peter would have felt in this moment. I just did what I said I would never do. I said I would die before I do this. Jesus was right. What have I done? And as far as the gospel of Mark goes, Peter's not mentioned again. He's gone. He's out of the picture. The same bitterness, the same sadness that Peter felt for disowning Jesus would drive Judas, the betrayer, to kill himself. But Peter just ran. Jesus, of course, wasn't done working. The trial would finish. He would be placed before Pilate on Friday morning. Pilate would try multiple times to save his life. Jesus would ultimately walk five-eighths of a mile down the Via de la Rosa to Golgotha, where he would be nailed to a cross. He would be crucified for your sins and mine. We would record seven sayings of his from the cross, the sixth and the seventh coming together where Jesus declares, it is finished. And then, Father, into my hands I commit, into your hands I commit my spirit. It is finished. The sins of the world have been paid for. The lamb that came to take away the sins of this world has been sacrificed. God's plan for redemption for you and for me has been accomplished and Jesus was dead. He'd be placed in a borrowed tomb. Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea would make sure of that. He would sit there for three days. And on Sunday morning, his mother and some other women would go to finish the burial preparations. Their, their child, their savior, their friend was gone. And when they arrive at the tomb early Sunday morning, the morning we celebrate here today, church, they would see that the stone had been rolled away, that the tomb was empty. Mary runs back to the house where the disciples, including Peter, are hiding because they're afraid of what might happen to them because they've been associated with Jesus. And she busts in and says, he is alive. He's alive. And Peter and John, they, they can't believe it. So they take off running to the tomb and they, they get there and they start to look around and sure enough, the tomb is empty. But that's not where the story ends for Peter. Did Peter get to see the resurrected Jesus? Yes. But was Peter's heart healed in doing that? No. That wouldn't come for several more days. And it's actually the Gospel of John that tells us how this story ends, how Peter goes from fear to freedom. Something that I want for all of us today. Any of us living in fear in this moment, I want you to know because of the resurrection of Jesus, because of him conquering death, your fear can be turned to freedom. I want us all to know that it is something that Peter experienced in the most beautiful and profound way. And it's when we go to John chapter 21, starting in verse one, and I'm gonna read 14 verses that we see how this story unveils itself. 
Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way, Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Canaan and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and they got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. So they'd fished all night long. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, the disciple whom Jesus loved was John. John said to Peter, that's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he'd taken it off and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they had landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with a fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153 of them. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? For they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, he took bread, he gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. What a beautiful reunion on a shore, right? Peter had gone back to work. The same profession that he had before Jesus had called him. The same profession he had before Jesus said, you're the rock upon which I'll build my church. The same profession he had before Jesus said, you'll deny me three times. The same profession he had before he did deny Jesus three times. The same profession he had before he went into hiding. He was going back to life as he knew it prior to Jesus because that's all he knew. And Jesus shows up on the shore that morning and says, hey guys, how's the fishing? Try the other side of the boat. These are professional fishermen. They probably didn't appreciate that too much, but they did it anyway because they hadn't caught anything. 153 fish later, Peter dripping wet, soaked to the bone because he didn't need a boat. He saw the man he disowned three times and he dove in head first. He dove in head first and he swam like crazy to go be with Jesus but there was work that had to be done. Jesus asked Peter for the first time, do you love me? Peter said, of course. Jesus asked a second time, do you love me? Peter says, you know I love you. Jesus asks a third time, do you love me? Verse 17 of John chapter 21. And the third time, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you love me like a brother is the word there. Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know, you've experienced is what that word means, that I love you. I pulled out my sword for you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Three full questions to restore one man fully. 
beautiful picture of someone who thought they were without the hope of restoration because of the resurrection being reinstated into brotherly love, into fellowship with Jesus. Had Peter's love for him ever wavered? No. But he had denied him. And this moment had to come to pass for Peter to be the rock upon which Jesus would build his church. Verses 18 and 19 of John chapter 21. Very truly, I tell you, talking to Peter, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then Jesus said to him, follow me. History tells us that Peter, several decades later, would be crucified just as Jesus, the death that Jesus predicted. But do you want to hear the good news, church? Do you want to hear the blessing in this message? The same thing that Jesus began the relationship with Peter by calling him to follow me is where he reinstated him. Come, follow me. Come, follow me. I think there are many of you watching today who you feel like you have run so far from God that there is no way that he would ever be willing to let you come back. And all he asks is, do you love me? And will you follow me? The resurrection of Jesus is the single most important thing in Christianity. It validates all that Jesus came to do and all that he taught. The resurrection is the hope for all that we have. And Jesus, in his infinite grace, in his infinite wisdom, he asks us for only two things, to love him and to follow him. And today I want to tell you, if you feel like in this season, there is no way that God loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to die for you. That's how much he loves you. And all he asks of you is to respond to that love, to respond to that grace and to follow him. Maybe it's been years since you followed him. But could today, could Easter Sunday 2020 be the day that you jump out of the boat? As careless as that may seem, you swim to the shore to be confronted by the one who loves you more than anything and you say, I do love you and I will follow you. Could that be the story of redemption and resurrection that you have today? I pray that if that is you, it will be your story. And for those who are firmly in the grips of grace that you will simply say today, Jesus, the resurrecting savior of my life, I love you and I will follow you as he calls you to follow him. Jesus, I pray that your grace will move within our midst today, that you will call those who are distant back to you, that they will come headfirst into the waters, Lord, seeking you and all that you are. I pray today for salvation. I pray today for joy in the midst of fear. And God, most importantly, most importantly, that you will conquer, conquer everything that would hold us back from you. You took Peter from fear to freedom. 
May we all experience that same freedom in you, Jesus, in your resurrection. It's in your name we pray. Amen.